Let's take our Bibles. Look over the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9 tonight. And we've been in our family worship, Infecting the Family for God series, and uh, we uh, started uh, talking about some benefits of family worship, some benefits of family worship. And so we're going to continue that tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. <clears throat> The Bible tells us there, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. and Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as fauntlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates." Well, we've taken some time along the way to address and deal with this issue of family worship or family devotions, if you will. You can call it whatever you like. 
But we discussed it, and we talked about how important it is that we have these in our homes. And so along the way now, we've decided to say, okay, we've talked about that enough. We've expressed the need for it, maybe from the scriptural standpoint, a practical standpoint. But what are the benefits of family worship? How do they benefit us as a, as a family, as a unit? Well, we started last week, and we said, well, the fact is, is that <clears throat> first they spell out your priorities. As you... Uh, uh, faithfully make time to worship as a family, you're going to reveal to your family, your children, and others the priorities of your home. Maybe uh, it's going to become abundantly clear what and who is uh, 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 important in your life and important to you. We said also that um, when family worship is faithfully conducted and times given to the Word of God, that we're saying a few things like the Word of God is important to me as a person and it's important to us as a family that prayer is a privilege to us. Our faith is a priority here in the home, that our relationship with God is vital, that this is what we do as a family. And so we addressed that. We talked about that a little bit. And I think it's important that as families, our children understand where God fits in our lives personally as well as where he fits in our homes. I think that the Lord Jesus Christ needs to take a precedent, a place of precedence in our life in our home, our marriage, in every area. And, and family worship will help to reveal that. It'll, it'll spell out our priorities to our children. Not only that, we said that it promotes unity, that family worship promotes unity. Now, again, it's a time to build a platform of communication between you and your family. I mean, we talked about the fact that so many times there's little communication in homes and more so now than ever, it seems. And, and although it seems that parents are spending a little more time with their children, at least statistically, it doesn't seem that we're really reaching each other at the level that's necessary and needful. Communication is at many different levels, and we want to get to a deeper level. We want to get to know our children. We want them to get to know us, and in, in not, not in a sense that we're buddies and pals like that, because if I'm a parent, I can't be their best buddy and pal. I can't overlook certain things. I can't just be a friend to them all the time. I have to be an authority. I have to be a leader. But on the same token, we can develop a relationship that opens up communication, that provides those, those lines of communication, which, well, when things get tough, uh, need to be in place, or it can be disastrous in a home. And so that communication will stimulate dialogue, and that dialogue will promote that unity that's necessary. Because, see, a family has to function as a team. A family has to work together as a unit, and that's important. So many times there's so much division in homes that it just seems that there's chaos and confusion at every turn. It doesn't have to be that way. Mom and dad are pulling their weight. They're, they're performing their duties in the home, and the children also have to perform their duties. Everybody's working together. Everybody's communicating. Everybody's in lockstep one with another. At least that's how it ought to be. Now, as parents, we said that, boy, I tell you, our children can't be, we can't allow our children to be influenced and infected by so many unscriptural voices in the world. And as we said, people are trying to communicate with our kids all the time. And so we have to be very careful that we're not allowing the wrong people to communicate or to influence. And, you know, the passage in Proverbs 23, 26 said, My son, give me thine heart. Well, we want our children to give us their hearts. Because the, off, the, 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 the um, offspring of that, of giving thine heart is, and let thine eyes observe my ways. What's ultimately going to be produced as a result of them giving us their heart is that they're going to want our ways. 
I want my children to follow in my ways. I want them to want a relationship with Jesus Christ and to, to want to be actively involved in the house of God and the work of God. I want those things for my children because I know that in my own life, they bring great joy and pleasure as well as stability and strength. Boy, they need God in their life too. And I want them, I want them to, to, to want the same things and to have those same things. I want them, as the Bible says, to follow my ways and so observe my ways. So we talked about these things. We addressed them. And again, we want to continue in this vein. What are some of the benefits of family worship then? Well, tonight I want to start off by saying, uh, adding to those two lists, I want to start off with number three. They teach self-discipline. That, that family worship will teach self-discipline. Now, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll address these issues tonight and see what else uh, is, is helpful and beneficial with family worship. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We pray that you'd work in our lives. Thank you for these that are here tonight. What a wonderful group that's gathered this evening. We just pray that once again, your word would come through and speak to our hearts. May we be encouraged again. What a wonderful thing to sing the songs of Zion together. Lord, just to lift our voice in praise to you. And now we open our hearts and our ears to your word. May you again fill us with your spirit, speak to us through your word, and allow your Holy Ghost to drive home these truths deep into our hearts. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so we, we noted, number one, they spell out our priorities. Number two, they promote unity. But now, number three, they teach self-discipline. Yeah, we're talking about family worship or these times of family devotion where we gather together as a family and put Christ in the middle. We open up the word of God. We spend a little time around God and his word. They are going to teach self-discipline. William McRaven, he served his country for 37 years as a Navy SEAL. <clears throat> he became a four-star admiral and commander of all U.S. Special Forces uh, operations uh, Special Operation Forces. In his book, he, he wrote a book entitled, Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World. Well, in that book, he says, if you make your bed every morning, you'll have accomplished the first task of the day. It'll give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you'll come home to a bed that is made. That you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed, he says. Now, the admiral, he points to the simple task of making a bed as being a foundational practice and becoming a success in life. Now, that would seem rather ridiculous to some degree. Make my bed, that's going to make me a success. And of course, that would seem ridiculous in and of itself, but hold on, there's so much more involved here in making the bed then. See, we're, we're guilty too often of placing little or no emphasis on the little things. 
And yet we're going to learn that the little things are what develop the discipline in our life to overcome big things. We think, what's the big deal whether or not I make my bed? I mean, I'm going to mess it up again tonight. I don't know about you, but I've used that logic. I, I mean, if it was my, uh, I, I, there's been times I haven't wanted to make my bed. Matter of fact, I don't really make my bed now. But anyway, I, I don't make it. My wife does, but, but, but I mean, she's probably lucky she does because I don't know if I'd always do that. Although, if I was going to do according to the admiral and truly be successful, I'd probably learn to do so. And I think that he's on to something. Why does my boss make such a big deal about being a minute or two late from time to time? My dad acts like I killed someone when I don't put one of, the, one of his tools away. Never heard those things before, right? You can't even put your elbows on the table while eating supper at my house. I don't get why my mom, my mom freaks out when I leave my shoes by the door. You know, again, these all seem like insignificant infractions. They don't seem to be too big a deal, but they do point to a much larger problem when neglected. See, self-discipline and character go hand in hand, and a lack of these characteristics and qualities will leave a person wanting in life, and that's just the way it is. You know, diamonds are formed under great pressure and heat. If these conditions don't exist then they, don't, they just simply don't form. You know, it's not whether or not they'll just be low-quality diamonds or smaller in size. That, that's not the issue. They'll just not form at all. Our Heavenly Father is interested in refining us, in, in making us stronger, in developing in us characteristics and qualities that will be time-tested. As a result, he will send his refining fire into our lives and create in us what he sees fit, what he believes is necessary and needful. If we lack character in our Christianity, he may place a fiery trial in our pathway, an obstacle that will demand attention. He wants to make us stronger. He wants to make us better. He even wants to make us more valuable in his hand as a tool. He does these things to build character. He does these things to better us as human beings. He does these things to ready us for life ahead. You know, as parents and leaders in our homes, we have to remember that the only difference between a diamond and a piece of coal is pressure. I think that's important to remember. All too often as parents, we find ourselves wanting to um, protect our children from the pressure of life. We try to make it so easy on our kids all the time. Sometimes easy is not what's best. I mean, it's, it's, it's not right to necessarily, I, I don't believe it's right, nor do I believe it's, it's needful for a parent to express the financial problems of the home. Our children do not need to know when we're having a financial problem. They don't need to bear the burden of that. They're not created and built for that yet. They haven't developed their, their mental and a, 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 their emotional abilities and capabilities yet. They haven't become the person that God intended them to be. They're still growing. They're that little plant that's still in the ground. And if the wind blows across too, too heavily, they may be just ripped out of the ground. 
But I'm telling you, there are times that that little plant needs that rain and it needs that wind and it needs some pressure to end up growing its roots deeper in and becoming stronger in the end. And pretty soon tornadoes come through and that tree's still standing if its roots are deep enough. As parents and as leaders in our homes then, we're responsible to develop character in the lives of our children. And that means first and foremost, instilling discipline in their lives. And family worship plays a part in that process. Like the Admiral stated, he said, you can't do the little things right. If you, don't do the, you can't do the little things right, you'll never do the big things right. We are sending our young people into a world to act like adults when we've treated them like little kids their whole lives. We've not trained them to do the little things. And if we don't teach them to do the little things and be disciplined enough to do the little things, why would we expect them to continue to do right in the big things? And I'm just saying that family worship is a part of that discipline process. I'm not saying that you can, you can do without family worship, and honestly, your children can still be successful. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I don't know Christians who've never had family worship, and yet their kids are still in church. It can happen. I'm not going to sit and say that if you don't do that, it just is all going to blow up and life's going to be horrible for them. I'm not going to say that either. But I'm telling you that this family worship becomes part of a discipline process, teaching and training discipline. The little things do matter. And the discipline learned in those little things sets a precedence for life. You know, the value of a clock is in its reputation for accuracy. The value of a wrench is in its ability to adjust a problem. The value of a car is in its ability to perform well on the upgrade. The value of a stamp is in its ability to stick to the end of the journey. All the way to the end. The value of a pair of scissors is in its ability to cooperate. Both things have to work together. The value of a tack is uh, is in its head that will not let go too far. And the value of a man is in his ability to combine all these virtues. See, we're not so simple as just a tool. We are human beings, and there's a a number of characteristics and qualities that must be combined to make us who God wants us to be. Discipline lays a foundation for learning, and discipline enables us to grasp and, 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 and engross ourselves in many things and learn many things and ultimately become as what God wants us to be. Character is a, re, is a reflection of our self-discipline. And I think we learn discipline from what I can tell in my life and experience, even in these areas of family worship. You know, we live in a society today that is flooded with laziness and, and just a, a lack of motivation. Now, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have noticed a trend, at least among young people, even in our own church. It bothers me to no end. Okay, let me just share it with you. Can I please? 
I am watching our young men grow up and our young ladies grow up together at Community Baptist Temple. And you know what I'm finding? That our young ladies have more ambition, they have more motivation than our young men do. I am watching them. Our young ladies are quick to go to college and get educations and try to come up with some kind of career while our young men are content to go nowhere, in a sense. You say, wait a second, what do you mean? I'm telling you that I'm not happy working a $10 an hour job as a man. Where's the motivation to make 20 and then 30 and then 40? I'm just saying, why is it that our young ladies seem to be working two and three jobs around here and our young men are not doing anything? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm bothered by it. And I'm telling you, our culture and our society is breeding a group of men that have lost their ambition and have lost any desire to go forward and have no idea for competition. I'm not pointing fingers and I'm not angry at anybody specifically, but I am bothered by the fact that our young ladies are going to end up in a career-oriented direction and our young men are fighting just to scratch out a living one day. And yet the men are the ones that are supposed to be supporting families and meeting needs in lives. Now again, I know I'm saying things that are bothersome maybe to some, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't know about you, but I want to see Christian young men be the men that stand out in our culture and our society, not the ones that just blend in. Now listen, I'm not talking about you have to make $300,000 or $200,000 or even $100,000 to be successful in life, but there ought to be something that says, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I want more for my life and for those around me. That's what I believe. And if you're not going to be in the ministry, then you make your impact in the world you live in as a believer. You influence as many people as you possibly can where you're at then. That means being the best you can be. I'll tell you something. If you're going to deliver mail, you be the best postman. If you're going to be working in a, a, I don't know, a grocery store, you be the best one packing those groceries. And then you want to be the manager there before it's over with. Don't settle for just packing groceries. Have a heart to be the manager. And one day own the business, maybe. Let's stop being lazy. You say, wow, preacher, we didn't expect this tonight. I didn't either. You know, the truth is that few have ever done without. And most have gotten pretty much everything they've ever wanted. Few have had to say no to themselves, and as a result, we find ourselves in a sad state of affairs today. I mean, honestly, we, we, when everything is handed to us, it's hard to get motivated to do anything. We need to make it a little bit, there, there needs to be a little pressure. We need that refining fire. And you know, if we don't learn to say no to ourselves, even from this perspective, if we don't learn to say no to ourselves at times, we're going to find ourselves in a sad state of affairs. Uh, during the 14th century, Renaud III was Duke of what is now Belgium. As, as the result of a violent quarrel, Renaud's younger brother Edward successfully revolted against him. And when Edward captured Renaud, he built a room around him featuring windows and a door, and he promised him. He promised him that the day that he left the room, his title and property would be returned to him. 
I don't know about you, but as I read that, I thought to myself, well, that's ridiculous. All he's got to do is walk out the door. Why wouldn't he do that? That doesn't make any sense. The problem with this arrangement was that Renald was grossly overweight. It couldn't fit through the openings in the room. Renald needed to lose weight before he could leave the room. And Edward knew that his older brother could not control his appetite, and he sent him delicious food every single day. As you can imagine, Renald grew fatter and fatter during that time. I'm just reading it, okay? Don't be mad at me. That word fat used to be used. If we don't use it no more, it's politically incorrect. Unless you're talking about Humpty Dumpty. Anytime someone accused Duke Edward of treating Renald, Renald cruelly, he would say this. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. You know, Renald stayed in that room for 10 years and wasn't released until after Edward died in battle. By then, his health was so ruined, he died within a year. He was a prisoner of his own appetite. You know, it is sad, but an undisciplined life leads to, an unbr leads to unbridled appetites and ultimately ruin. Boy, discipline is so important. Character is so important in the lives of our youngsters. To teach them both to say yes to some things, even though it might be tough, and to say no to themselves when they ought to say no. When we fail to train our children to say no to themselves, and that's called self-discipline, we destine them to a life enslaved by fleshly appetites. Just as Renaud was enslaved by his appetite, sin will enslave our children if they are not strong enough and disciplined enough to say no to themselves. I'm telling you, our children are in such danger today. When you think about all the sin that is at their fingertips, if they don't learn to say no to themselves, they are going to be destined for destruction. And I don't care how good a parent we are, and it doesn't matter how well we check things and how, uh, you know, you know, involved we are and what they're looking at and all that. These kids aren't stupid. They're very smart in these areas. They, in most cases, are much more intelligent in these areas than even their parents are. And I'm going to tell you, if a child is determined to see and do and hear and involve themselves in things they shouldn't, they will. You won't stop it in the long run. They have to learn some self-discipline. They're going to have to learn to say no to themselves when they don't want to. It's ridiculous to think that a dad can protect his children from everything. It's not going to happen. Neither can a mother. Sooner or later, they're going to have to make some decisions on their own. Let's prepare them by teaching them some discipline, character. Young and old alike struggle with some issues. You know, some can't discipline themselves to do what must be done, so they live in mom's basement allowing someone else to continue to take care of them. Some don't like being told what to do, so holding a job becomes real difficult. Some don't like to be uncomfortable or put out, so they quit when, getting, when, things, go, when things get tough. Some can't keep their promises and live responsibly which makes it impossible to depend on them. 
See, family worship teaches self-discipline. I understand there are a number of other ways to teach self-discipline, but I do believe that family worship helps and aids in this area. You say, how or what do you mean? Explain. Okay, family worship doesn't always fit the schedule as perfectly as one would like, but you do it anyway. George Mueller read the Bible through over 100 times. He also wrote over 30,000 letters per year for 40 years. He had nine assistants working in a dozen languages. He pastored 1,200 believers, had the oversight of five large orphanages and a huge publishing house, printed and distributed millions of books, tracts, and Bibles. Here's what he said, quote, I never think of going to my work without first having a good season of time with God and my Bible. I don't know about you, but he's a lot more busy than I am. And I got to believe he's probably a lot more busy than most of you. I'm sure that George Mueller, if he really wanted to, could say, I could literally not sleep a wink because there's so much to be done and so much work that needs to be taken care of. And yet he says, I never think of going to my work without first having a good season of time with God in my Bible. Now listen, family worship teaches self-discipline. George Mueller had to be pretty disciplined to say yes to family, to, to his time with the Lord, his personal time when he had all of these responsibilities and all of this work to be done. But he was disciplined, and he had character, godly character. Family worship isn't always full of laughs and excitement, but you do them anyway. I mean, there are times that it seems boring. Oh, I know as a parent it's important that we try to make it exciting or that we try to make it fun for our children, but the truth is is that we're human too. It's not always going to be all fun and games. Sometimes the Bible's just not all that uh, fireworks display. Sometimes it's just get in it and grind a little bit. Dig into it a little bit. Try to understand where God is and what, what's going on and what he wants us to learn from it. And maybe in family worship, sometimes it's just as simple as reading some scripture and sharing the word of God. This is boring. Knock it off. This is what we do. We're teaching some self-discipline. Because you know what? There's going to be a lot of things in life they may not want to do, but they have to do. This is just one more opportunity to teach some discipline. Family worship puts everyone on the spot and it demands participation and yet you have them anyway. Now listen, you go ahead and you shelter your little introvert child and you, you don't ever make them participate, don't ever make them answer a question, don't ever allow and force them to do anything that's uncomfortable and my friend, you'll, you'll, you'll raise an undisciplined child. You'll raise a child who's afraid of everything, even their shadow. I'm telling you, family worship teaches a little self-discipline. I do not feel comfortable speaking out in public, someone may say. Well, guess what? In family worship, at least, you're going to stalk. We're going to learn to express ourselves. We're going to learn to communicate. We're going to learn to put our fear behind us and get out of our comfort zone and participate because we are a family and that's what we do. It's important that we teach these things. Hey, listen, when my child is in a mess in their life, the last thing I want to do is see them clam up and not talk at all. And by the way, if I have one complaint from ladies about men is that they won't talk to them. They won't communicate. They won't express themselves. Well, they're just not talkers. They need to learn to be talkers. That's called discipline. Doing what you don't feel like doing. 
You do what's best for the whole, not just you all the time. That's discipline being learned. Character. Character says it's not all about me, it's about others too. I do what's best not just for me, but for others too. Again, family worship takes place, as I mentioned already, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whatever you are, we're going to do it. That's what we do. It does us all good to get out of our comfort zones. It does us all good to do things that are uncomfortable for us. Family worship, again, teaches self-discipline. It's been said, practice makes perfect. I prefer the statement, perfect practice makes perfect. You know, it's not enough to simply do things. We need to do the right things. There's a lot of activity that goes on in our lives, isn't there? But is it the right activity? We may teach our children to be disciplined in their schoolwork, their chores, even their sports practices. But if we never teach them spiritual discipline, then we will have neglected the most important responsibility that a Christian parent possesses. Now listen, I I know that the priorities that the world has are quite different than the priorities that God would have for us as as, as people. But I'm telling you that spiritual discipline in our lives is the most important, important thing we can instill in our children. I tell you, before I want my kids involved in sports, I want them involved in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with any of that if it's in its proper place. But spiritual discipline is important. I'm amazed how many parents will require their children to do their homework but never require them to memorize a scripture. I'm amazed at this. It blows my mind. And I think to myself, aren't we Christians? What are we training our children to be? What what is important? What are we telling them is important in life then? We come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday nights, most of us in this room. If it's that important to us, then wouldn't we want that to be important to our own children? Now, we can't make the decisions for our children. They're going to make their own one day. We're not going to be able to tell them where to be and what to do. They're going to make those decisions on their own. I understand that. But while they're under our tutelage, while we have the ability and the opportunity to influence their life and to mold and make them, why wouldn't we take every opportunity to teach them spiritual discipline? Family worship aids in that tremendously. It's an important tool that you have as a parent. And we need to use it. Family worship may not seem like a big deal, but it is. It is a big deal. You know, I, I grew up, I grew up learning, I grew up to love football. I've told this before, but I grew up loving football because my dad loved football. My dad played football. My dad coached football. And when my dad had a football team, when I was just a little kid, just seven or six years old or whatever it was, I was the water boy on that football team. Man, I'd run that water out to those boys, and I looked up to those boys, literally. 
They were eight, nine, and ten, and I looked up to them. I remember some of their names even. Man, they made an impact. It was amazing. I was on the gridiron. I was part of the team. And I learned to love football. Every night I'd take my football in my arm and I'd go to bed and I'd put it right there beside me. Man, I love football. I grew up watching the football games on Friday nights, my dad and I, and, and, and maybe my brother would go on out to the, 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 the rubber bowl and watch two football games on a Friday night. We'd freeze our tails off sometimes, but we were there. My mom would make hot chocolate and my dad would drink it all. But boy, I learned to love football. I mean, I, I got to playing football when I was old enough. I was just eight and I'm, I'm playing football. I'm playing football into my junior year, in my, my younger years, and even into high school, I wanted to play football. I wanted to go and play for Ohio State or Notre Dame. I love football. How did I learn to love football? My dad taught me. Because he loved football, I learned to love football. Because he invested time coaching football and, and watching football, I invested time. I learned to love it too. My dad worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week, but he found time to love football and to show me he loved it by watching it. I'm not saying you can't have work and you can't be busy and you don't, but I'm saying this, your children will know what's important to you as well. And if spiritual things are important to you, why not pass that down? And one of the ways you can do that, one of the ways you can share your spiritual discipline is to Show them how much it means to you through family worship. It teaches discipline, both spiritual and practical. Your family will benefit by exercising the spiritual discipline. I guarantee it. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to implement family worship if you haven't already. And, and I'm not saying you have to do it every single day. Put it on the schedule. Maybe it only, it's only twice a week. But put it on the schedule. Maybe twice goes to three times. And eventually three may go to four. And can I just encourage dads, that if, you're, your parents, uh, if you, you are parents and you've chosen to homeschool your children, can I, can I, I just want to encourage, I want to say this to you as men. Just because your wife is having a Bible lesson with your children, that's not the family worship. That's school. And, I, and I listen, I commend your wife for teaching the Bible to the kids, but dad, let me tell you, you, will, you can never overestimate your influence in the home and in the lives of your children. Boy, take the time to schedule time with you, the wife and kids, or you, grandma and grandpa and the kids, or whoever it is. You be there, and you say, this is important to me. And I'm disciplined in this area of spirituality. I think it's a valuable thing in my life, and I want it to be valuable to you. You'll say that by what you do, not by what you say. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. 
like I said, it may only be a couple days a week. Maybe you work when your, your kids are in school and you come home and you're, already, you're gone already by the time they get home. But maybe just that day off and that weekend or whenever it is, maybe it's early in the morning, maybe it's in the afternoon or even at night, but schedule something. Teach that spiritual discipline. Because in the long run, our children, if they fail to be disciplined, they'll lack character in their life. And if they lack character, as we used to say years ago, they're toast. We want our children to have every opportunity to succeed. I want to load them up with every tool necessary to be successful. What they do with the tools is up to them. But I don't want it to be because I haven't instilled into them the discipline and the character they need to be successful in life, both spiritually and in the world in which we live. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time we've had together, Lord. We ask that you would just continue to speak to our hearts. And Lord, I know, Father, I don't always say things maybe exactly the way I should. Maybe I'm a little bit too forward on some areas. But Lord, I do pray that, Father, at least the, 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 the thought would come across. I, I, I just am very concerned about families. I'm worried about families. I, I want to see you working in the lives of our couples and their homes. And Lord, if we're going to impact the world we live in, it's going to be more than just a few words that we're going to say. We're going to have to show something that's different and unique in our lives and in our families for others to take notice today. We do pray, Father, that you would just help us uh, as a church family to support one another and to encourage one another. Lord, there are good men and women here. There are families that are trying to be a light in the world in which they live. And Lord, I want you to come to their aid. If there are areas, Father, that, you can, that, that, that a family can tighten up or do better in, then by all means, Lord, convict them of that. Show them the need of that. Lord, if the things that are going on that are correct and right, help us just to do more of it. And then, Lord, to always take the time to evaluate so that we can continually get better at this thing we call the Christian life, so that our relationship with you can be more intimate, close. Father, we need you now. I pray, Father, again, that you'd be glorified. We'll thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed.